I feel like Donkey from Shrek today. When he sat in the little back of that carriage in that little clip, and they're going on honeymoon or something, and he's like, but you gotta have friends. And then Shrek's like, Donkey, stop singing. And he's like, hey, I got an idea. I'll stick with you. Oh, wait, no, they're two completely different scenes. Oh, well, we move on. Hi there, I'm Laura. Unfortunately, Holly's not with me today. Uh, she's feeling really poorly. So I'm going solo. First time for everything. I only ever did my first podcast when me and Holly started What's On Racing. Hopefully, Holly will be back to join us very soon to keep everyone else entertained. So, I'm really sorry if this is totally awful. It's just going to be me babbling. I will try and keep it interesting and entertaining. But of the two of us, Holly's really the funny one. So we'll go with it. And I'm really sorry if this is just awful. Okay, (laughs) so what's on this week? (laughs) So last weekend, it was Austria. It was the home of Red Bull. So it's the Red Bull ring. It was a sprint weekend, which was really exciting. And I'm only going to do a quick overview of the race. It was a sprint weekend. It was very exciting. I know that a lot of people aren't a fan of the sprint weeks because they say there's too much and it takes away from the actual main race. Personally, I thoroughly enjoy the sprint weekend. So with a sprint weekend, you basically have the, instead of the usual setup of on like a normal weekend, you would have... Uh, free practice one, free practice two on Friday, free practice three on Saturday morning, qualifying Saturday afternoon, race on Sunday. With the sprint weekend, it's more of the F2 style of racing. So it's you have one free practice on Friday, then your Sunday race qualifying is on Friday afternoon. Then on Saturday morning, you do your sprint shootout, which is your sprint qualifying and then on the Saturday afternoon afternoon you do the race so the sprint race which I'm not actually sure if it's called a race or if it's called something weird but like a sprint feature or something but essentially it is the sprint race then on Sunday you get your standard race so the sprint race is like a shortened version and also the sprint quali session is slightly different so they get less and less time for each qualifying session rather than a normal qualifying when you have 15 minutes per session so i enjoy the sprint weekend i enjoy getting to see more on track i enjoy the format of it i Yeah, I find it fun, but I know that a lot of people don't. And I know for the teams, it's quite stressful because they have a lot more at risk because there's a lot more opportunity for drivers to crash into things and for cars to go technically wrong and cause damage. And of course, if you damage the car on Saturday, you then ruin your chances for Sunday, potentially, 
if you have to, you know, replace units and uh, clutches and things like that, that I can't think of the words right now, but those things, then you end up with penalties on the race on Sunday because the cars are obviously in Parc Verme, so you shouldn't be touching them. So I understand why the teams may not be a fan of so many sprint races. I understand why some of the fans are not a fan of the sprint races. For me personally, I love it. I love getting to watch it all. Also, a good thing about Austria, which I personally really enjoyed, was that it wasn't a street circuit. Don't get me wrong, I do enjoy some of the street races. I know lots of people love them. But for me, I really just enjoy seeing a good old traditional track. I don't know why, I just do. I just enjoyed it. And I also felt this week like we actually had some proper racing going on, which in a lot of the races so far this year, both myself and Holly have been absolutely bored senseless because they get stuck in these DRS trains and absolutely nothing happens. Granted, that hasn't been the whole season, but for a big kind of chunk of it, it has been. It was really, really exciting to actually see some overtakes, some battles. There were some really, really good moments that kept us really on our toes. What is it that we usually say? Uh, Squeaky bum time. Some really squeaky bum time moments. (laughs) So that was great. It was epic. So many penalties. How? How were there so many penalties? It actually was laughable afterwards especially as it was like what was it like four or five hours after the race they sent out a whole nother list of penalties which completely changed where a lot of the drivers had finished luckily it didn't change the podium because that is one thing that slightly annoys me is when the podium changes after the race in my opinion sort out the penalties beforehand unless it's like an infringement that they don't find until afterwards but it should be dealt with before the podium, in my opinion. So it was good that the podium didn't get affected. And wasn't it lovely to see Charles back on the podium? I know he's missed it, but we've missed seeing him there. I know it was Max in first, but it was it was nice, again, like I say, just to see somebody else on there with with them and for it not to be just Max and Perez. Although saying that, Perez had had a shocker so far this year. He's not actually had as many podiums as I thought he would have. I would have thought that it would have been Red Bull 1-2 pretty much all season. But hey-ho, we move on. Because we are talking about things positively. Uh, Who else do I feel did signs, poor signs? I feel like he missed out. I think, really... He probably did deserve P3. I know Perez did an epic drive from further back on the grid all the way to the front, but again, he's in the Red Bull. I feel like Sainz did deserve it, which is unusual for me. I don't usually say that about Sainz, I don't think. I don't dislike him. I quite like him, but he's just not one of my favourites. Holly would absolutely be like petitioning that he should have been on the podium because she adores Sainz. I think he's a very good driver and a very nice person from what I've seen. (laughs) I think he missed out. And then, unfortunately, to have dropped not only from P4, so he missed out on the podium, and then he dropped P6 because of all of those 
penalties that appeared afterwards. So I do really feel a little bit sorry for him because I really think he deserved more. I think that's fair to say. And he did actually have P3 in the sprint. So maybe, okay, maybe he was rewarded, but the sprint just isn't held as kind of highly in esteem with anyone really compared to the actual race. So he did get points, but they're not worth as much or the same level as points as they would be if he'd got it in the race. So he did still get a P3. It was just not in the race that he wanted. It was on the Saturday, not the Sunday. And of course, as we said, Mr. Max Verstappen won. No surprise there. Seems to be winning everything this year with pretty much no competition. (laughs) I was not surprised by Max boxing at the end for new soft tyres so he could go for fastest lap. I know many people were. Many people thought, what on earth is he doing? If he, if this goes wrong, he's going to lose first place to Charles. Which, had it theoretically gone wrong, I think could have been really entertaining to then see a lap of Max on fresh tyres, but now behind Charles, trying to batten... Batten? Battle? Back into first. Because it would have been like another you know, final lap shootout, uh, Charles on the hard tyre, hard old tyre, and Max on the fresh new tyres. So I think that could have been quite dramatic and quite fun. But as as we'd expect, and nothing less, the Red Bull team did his pit stop perfectly. Max had full faith in his team, even telling him he was coming, telling them he was coming into pit, even when they said, We don't really think it's necessary. I mean, fair play to Max. I know a lot of people are getting fed up of just seeing him dominate because they want to see something else happen. But that was a risk and he trusted his team and he took it. And then he came back and he took the fastest lap. So well done. Well done, Max. I am still yet to see what race Ocon was driving because he got so many penalties, it was ridiculous. And, of course, I was a very happy lady, because Mr Lando Norris, A, did amazing all weekend. He had a really, really good weekend, and I was so chuffed to see him doing well, and that he was getting, like, maximum potential out of the McLaren. I was buzzing that he'd finished P5 in general. I mean... In my predictions, because I do weekly predictions, I had put him P3. I think that was a little bit, uh, what's the word? Optimistic. (laughs) It was very optimistic, let's be honest. But I put him at P3 regardless. He finished P5. I was chuffed. I was very happy. And he got driver of the day. And his little radio message afterwards was just adorable. He just reminded me of like a little cute, fluffy bunny or something with his oh how cute (laughs) um so I was really happy but then got obviously promoted to p4 because of all the penalties and because signs dropped so ln4 in p4 poetry (laughs) and he also got p3 in the sprint quali which I was also chuffed about but that just went to shit really didn't it 
anti-stall apparently. Yeah. Anyways, we move on. Other news from this weekend. Oh, of course. Unfortunately, the Formula World suffered another loss this weekend, which was really sad. I'm very sorry if I pronounce this wrong, but Delano Vanthoff, 18 years old, and died in the Spa Frankchamp Formula European Championship race. It was due to bad weather. Rest in peace to him. Um, what a horrible, horrible tragedy to have happened. And it's really just a stark reminder, again, was it like four or five years on from the last death in F1, how much of a risk these drivers are at. And we all love watching them and it's an incredible sport and there have been F1 driver deaths over the years but with the increase in safety and the precautions that are now being taken and the things that are put in place I don't you kind of almost get into your head that it's something that's not possible to happen anymore and then something like this happens and you're like oh shit yeah that is a genuine risk and it's scary and I completely understand when in post-race interviews, especially if it's been tricky weather conditions or just a tricky race or there's been like a bit of a heart-stopping moment. And some people will laugh at the driver's interviews afterwards when they say things like, oh, I was scared. And there's also been a debate that I've seen knocking around about should, if you're the day that you're scared, you shouldn't be driving. In my opinion, I don't think there's any problem with them being scared. Because having fear is completely natural. Those fears, but still doing it any, they still do it anyway. Like it's their job. They still enjoy it. They're still passionate about it. But having those fears is what makes them human. And I think people need to respect that. They are human, they're not indestructible, they're not robots. These tragedies can and do happen. If the drivers are not keen to drive in like bad weather or things like that, we shouldn't be laughing at them. We should be respecting them. At the end of the day, they're the ones that are in the cars, they're the ones that are driving around. I know also that Spa in particular has been a controversial race for wet weather and maybe this is again another reminder that something needs to change there have been some serious crashes at spa including obviously people dying but there have been some other incredibly serious crashes that could have been one hell of a lot worse than they luckily were and i do say luckily because again there could have been crashes that could have led to fatalities and they didn't. 
So I guess that kind of opens the question to everyone as to whether spa needs to be changed or what can be changed. Is it just because it was bad weather or do they seriously need to look at whether the speed that is carried going up Eau Rouge and onwards, is that too too much now? Because these cars are one heck of a lot faster than they ever used to be. They're incredibly powerful pieces of machinery. So does the track need to change? I, I know they said they've made it wider to try and stop this bouncing off the walls back into the back onto the track and you're just kind of ricocheted back into the middle of the track and you're just sat there. You're like a sitting duck. So what needs to change? Myself and Holly were kind of talking at the time and we were thinking what could be changed. Is it something as simple as you make the runoff wider but you add a gravel trap? I don't know. So that it's not as easy just to ricochet back on because there's gravel everywhere. Do they change the track? I mean, plenty of tracks have been changed and amended. Do they need to add like a chicane partway up? Or after, you know either after or just before a rouge or does a rouge need to ch- I don't I mean I don't know I'm not a track designer I don't understand these things to be perfectly honest but maybe an extra corner just to just to take the speed down slightly it could still be a flowing corner but just so that it's not at the speed that they are currently traveling going up that hill I don't have an answer because, as I say, I'm not a track driver, a track driver, track designer. But I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that have got different thoughts and opinions on it. I mean, personally, looking at aerial view, I almost wonder whether just a simple chicane or corner at the top of the hill, like just after a rouge just to take your speeds back down before you then can put the hammer down again on that straight. I don't know if a gravel trap would be enough. Would have to be a big gravel trap, really. But it's food for thought, especially following yet another kind of tragic incident. And it does make me slightly nervous because as both myself and Holly have mentioned, We are going to spa in about three weeks time. We will be there. And I'm really hoping it's not bad weather because I really want to see some racing. But in the exact same breath, if it's bad weather, I'd rather know that every driver is safe. And I mean across F1, F2, F3. I believe there's a, is it the Porsche? Super Cup or something's going on as well. I, I can't remember if that's right or not. Obviously, the plan is that we're going to go there and we're going to see some really cool racing. Fingers crossed. But I'd rather everyone be safe. Honestly, I think that is far more important than putting on a show for the fans, which I know 
all of the drivers want to do and all of the drivers want to race because they enjoy it and that's why they do it but yeah spa's a tricky one it's not the only race that's tricky there are lots of them but it's just again another reminder as i say my thoughts are with delano's family and friends so that was a sad moment on what was otherwise a really really good and fun weekend of the Austrian Grand Prix. So looking forward to this weekend, we have Silverstone. It's coming home. No, I'm not referencing football because I don't watch it and I don't understand it. It is my home. There are many drivers that it's their home race. There are many teams that it's their home race. And just to, you know, top it all off, I'm working, so I'm not even going to see the race while it's happening, which is just spectacular. I was originally thinking, I know what I'll do. I'll talk a little bit about Silverstone's background and Silverstone's history and things like that. But apparently, there's another podcast that's out this week, I believe. It is all about the history of Silverstone. I saw a link to it on the BBC can't actually remember the name of it off the top of my head and it's a full like in-depth delve into it. Another thing that's happening at Silverstone this week is we have the additional in quotations team which is the fake team Apex Racing I believe. The Brad Pitt film that they've you know been talking about and about routine routinely, regularly, uh, during the race weekends. So there's an F1 film being made. Lewis Hamilton has been heavily involved, from what I've read, in helping to produce the film. And this weekend at Silverstone, the drivers, in quotation marks again, will be on track and they will have a team garage in amongst some of the F1 teams so that they can film basically... Um, some scenes for this film and my understanding is that they won't actually be out on track at the same time as any of the F1 or F2 cars although somebody did once say to me that they would be out during one of the free practice sessions so I could be wrong but anyways they're going to be out driving and filming there's a lot of hype around it in general that this film is happening so we shall wait and wait and see what happens this weekend. Because there's already a podcast with loads of history, I thought I would just run through a few Silverstone slash British Grand Prix facts that I have found. I have just noticed that a clock in this room is ticking, which is really impressive because I'm pretty sure the batteries ran out in that clock at least two months ago. So I don't know how that's happening. That's very bizarre. Anyways, as I was saying, I've got some little facts. They might be new to you. They might not be. I hadn't heard of most of them. Here we go. King George VI is the only reigning monarch to have attended a British motor race, and that was in 1950. Over the years, there have been other royals that have attended races, including Princess Diana and Prince Harry and people like that. but. He, King George, is the only reigning monarch to have attended. So that's fact number one. 
Uh, fact number two, which I think most people do know, but it is a fact, so I'm going to say it. The main straight, as in the pit lane straight, the start-finish straight at the Silverstone Grand Prix is called the Hamilton Straight. Yes, it is named after Lewis Hamilton. Mixed opinions about that one, because I think that there are plenty of other drivers that it could have been named after. I do sort of get why it's named after Hamilton, but I'm not a humongous Lewis Hamilton fan. I'm not really a Lewis Hamilton fan at all, if I'm honest. I'm sure a lot of people who are Lewis Hamilton fans are very excited by the fact that he has a straight named entirely after him, but I'm not. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Fact number three, Jensen Button had 15 wins in total and the 2009, I believe, World Championship. He has never won the British Grand Prix. Did not know that. Kind of just assumed that he would have because he's kind of a very well-known British driver and there have been multiple British drivers that have won it. And I just assumed that he would be one of them. So that was a little bit of a shock to me that he hasn't. And now he's retired, so he never will. Yeah, fact number three. Fact number four. It's been 18 years since a Grand Prix was held. This was not specifically at Silverstone. It was actually in the United States. But it's been 18 years since a Grand Prix didn't actually have a British driver in it. Which I think is a little bit crazy. And also links back a little bit to a few episodes ago when Holly and I were talking about the amount of European-based drivers that are in F1 at the moment. But that just goes to show how many drivers have actually, British drivers, have been in F1 for that many years. And also, what makes it even more interesting is that there were two British drivers in the championship, I guess is the word that were in that race, the 2005, I believe it was Indianapolis Grand Prix, had two great British drivers qualify, but they couldn't race because of a defective tyre. And something ridiculous like only six drivers actually took part in the Grand Prix. Which is crazy, and I have never heard of that. And I think that's something I'm definitely going to have to go and do a little bit more research into, because that seems utterly bizarre that of the entire grid only six drivers could actually drive i mean i'm guessing they all got good points i'd like to hope so unless would they have changed the points system they might have only given it to the top three and then if you were fourth fifth or sixth you just got bugger all could they do that i don't know if they could do that i'm going to have to research that in a lot more detail it's not something that i'm going to be able to do right this minute in time because I think that's going to take me a while. <laughs> but maybe once I have researched that, we'll discuss that in a bit more depth. Because that blew my mind. So 18 years since we didn't drive in a physical Grand Prix. But we were there. We just couldn't go out on the track. And by we, I mean the British driver. I was not there. Neither was Holly. How old would I have been then? I would have been 10. <laughs> oh, this is a nice fact. This is a fact that I think some people will actually remember the like you'll be able to picture that iconic image in your mind or maybe you'll even think of the little like clip of it. It was at a British Grand Prix that Senna, Ayrton Senna, won the Grand Prix and then as he was doing his cool down lap, 
he basically got stranded on track because he ran out of fuel. Which, by the way, now, if they had an insufficient fuel sample after their race, would have lost the podium. But whatever, I don't think Zena lost it from what having read. Anyways, he got stranded on the track because he ran out of fuel. And Nigel Mansell was driving around and picked him up. And we've got that beautiful image of Zena sat on the side of Mansell's car. And he like taps him on the head and he's like, go, go. And of course, that would also not be allowed now because of the health and safety issues and regulations. And the marshals and the FIA and the stewards would absolutely have a field day if that would happen. And I believe there was a marshal or somebody, it might not have been a marshal actually, that tried to get Zena off Mansell's car, but Mansell just drove off anyway. And it was it was such a lovely little image. Especially as I seem to remember, and I re- as I said, I did recently watch the Zena documentary. There always seemed to be in the like portrayed in the media like a lot of dislike between these two drivers. And so it was really lovely to actually see that moment that they didn't completely hate each other because Mansell could have just driven past. But he didn't. He stopped, he picked him up, and he drove him all the way back. And that's really lovely. And I think, again, that's another reminder that in the media nowadays, all of these drivers get pitted against each other. And actually, a lot of them are genuine friends. Okay, that was a nice little happy, a nice little happy fact that I really enjoyed. And it made me smile, and I'm still smiling. Our next fact is that... If you look at a photo of Silverstone, like an aerial shot of Silverstone circuit, you can actually still see the old runway in the middle of that goes kind of across the middle of the circuit that is from when it was an RAF 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 base. So when they used to have the aeroplanes and things like that taken off from there, the original runway is still there. And I think that's really cool. I know that it was built from this runway, these these two runways that crossed, but I think it's really cool that you can still really clearly see it. It's like a little nod to its past and its history and its previous use, its previous life before it was an F1 Grand Prix track. It's not just an F1 Grand Prix, actually. They do a lot of other racing there. My next fact is about Mr. Michael Schumacher who had a very interesting win at Silverstone. And that was, I think he's the only driver to have done this in history, which was that he won the race in the pits. He'd pulled into the pits and like he, he crossed the start-finish line and basically took checkered flag in the pits. And that was in 1998 that he did that. And as far as I'm aware, it never happened before and it's never happened since that you've won the race. And I believe there was a lot of controversy around it because a lot of people did argue that that shouldn't be possible and it is since no longer possible if I'm right in my thinking but yeah so that was quite a cool moment I mean Michael Schumacher was known for many you know great and unique things over his his career but that was one that relates to our little home race of Silverstone and then my final fact that I've got noted down is there have been 12 British drivers who have won the Silverstone Grand Prix, including Jackie Stewart, Hunt, Damon Hill, David Coulthard, Hamilton, Nigel Mansell. That's just to name a few, which got me thinking, who is going to be our next British winner at the Silverstone Grand Prix? 
And I don't mean the likes of, oh, Hamilton's going to get it again. I mean a different winner. Is it going to be George? Potentially. Is the Mercedes currently fast enough for him to do it? I don't know. I think there would have to be some pretty crazy events that led to George currently getting it. But then we're known for our great British weather. Maybe a late rain spell in the race could shake things up, you know, change for inters or even wet tyres. George could jump to the top of the class. So maybe it would be George. I mean, if we're talking about a potential wet race, though, in my personal opinion, I think Lando would have a better chance than George would. Not necessarily because the McLaren's any faster, but just because Lando is a beast of a driver in rain. He's brilliant at it. I mean, I know George grew up here too, but he grew up in <laughs> grew up in good old rainy weather, so he is very good at driving in the wet. So maybe Lando. Or maybe our next British Grand Prix Silverstone Silverstone Grand Prix winner isn't currently a driver on the F1 grid. And that's a scary thought. Maybe it's one of our F2 drivers. Who knows? Maybe the young rookie, Ollie Behrman, will climb into an F1 seat and one day it'll be him. There's F2 at Silverstone this week. I really hope Ollie wins F2. I think that'd be really amazing. I think there's quite a few British drivers or UK drivers, I should say, in F2 at the moment. But seeing his track record, I'd be ecstatic if Ollie ended up on the podium. I think that'd be really cool. Of course, I'd be ecstatic if Lando ended up on the podium in F1 as well. But I feel like Ollie's got more of a chance at the moment in F2. But I could be wrong. Silverstone does like to throw some uh, crazy spanners in the works. The past few years, there's been some incredible collisions at Silverstone. Max went flying into the wall at Cops Corner. And then, of course, we had Zhou Guan Yu's incredibly dramatic crash from last year, which God knows how he walked away from that. But he did. Maybe there is a chance. Maybe maybe Lando will be the next British winner of the Silverstone Grand Prix. Maybe it will be George. And maybe it will be someone entirely different. But that would be very exciting. Very exciting. So, whilst all of the F1 fans are watching the race this weekend, as I said, I will be working. So I will be catching up with it later on on the Sunday evening, which is just typical, but hey-ho. And I will be very, very excited to see what's gone on. And I believe that the weather's not looking too bad at the moment, so hopefully it won't get rained off, because that's the other chance of things happening over here. That is about all I've got to talk about this week. (laughs) If you have stuck with it throughout, thank you very much for listening. I'm sorry that it's just myself, but Holly, I hope you are feeling better soon and you can come back and help me muddle my way through this. (laughs) This has been What's On Racing. Thanks for listening.